Last week, my GPS failed me. Have you ever had that happen? But I thought it was hooked up to a satellite that saw everything, and it couldn't fail. But it did. I typed in a, an address, and I went exactly the way. Now, I have a British voice on it talking to me and telling me exactly where to turn, exactly where to go. But you know what? I found myself going in a circle. Haven't I seen that a minute ago? Didn't I just go by that? I thought, no, no, I trust the GPS. It knows what it's doing. It can't fail. It's flawless technology. And I went in a big circle and came back. There's that same place. Then I realized I was going in a cul-de-sac. It led me completely wrong. Everybody say, guidance matters. Now, I paid that money, and I wanted to, it's Waze, W-A-Z-E. I'm not slamming Waze. I'm just saying, I felt like writing them a letter. You led me astray, right? Guidance matters in life. That you get to the destination you're supposed to get matters in life. So even though GPS failed me, and it did, it absolutely officially failed me, I'm going to tell you about one today who will never fail you. He'll get you where you're supposed to be. He wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. So I'm going to ask us to stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read two verses. But in, in praying about this Sunday, today, I really felt that I needed to go into the area of guidance. Living under God's guidance. Living under the guidance of God. So today I'm going to talk about, can you trust Him with that? Or I'll put it another way, you can trust Him with that. So I'll explain that as the message goes along. But let's just spend a couple of weeks talking about living under God's guidance. So I want to read Psalms 25, verse 4 and 5. Now, I want you to look at how David is praying. We ought to all pray this way. Great prayer. He says, show me your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Do you get the gist of the prayer? This is a prayer about guidance. God, direct me. Listen to that. Show me, teach me, guide me. Great prayer. So let's pray it. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. We pray you'd show us, teach us, and guide us. Lord, we're in dark, perilous times. If ever there was a time we needed guidance from God, it's now. Lord, teach us as a church family to walk in the guidance of God. To understand how you lead, how you direct, how you carry us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you can trust him with that. All right, now, show me, teach me, guide me. What a great, great prayer. Show me, teach me. Lord, I need you to show me what decision to make. I need you to teach me which way to go. I need you to guide me when I'm looking at a bunch of options. I need you, Lord, to guide me. Now, this, this tells us, even reaching all the way back into the Old Testament, 
that God, if you're his child, he not only wants to carry you to heaven, he wants to guide you while you're on the earth. He loves you enough to guide you. He loves you enough. Now think about that because some of you haven't considered that, that, that God wants to literally guide your steps. He wants to guide you in the way you should take. He wants to lead you in the correct path. Why would he care? Because we so easily drift. We so easily go the wrong way. All we like sheep have gone astray. We, we've turned everybody to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all drift. Amen? Get that halo off your head. You drift too. We all drift. We carefully drift. I mean, we, we easily just drift. And so God is our guide. He's not only our Savior, our teacher, our counselor, our redeemer, our deliverer, our provider, our healer. He's also our guide. He's our guide. One day God spoke directly to King David and he gave him this word in the first person. And by telling this to him, he told it to us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my loving eye on you. I will instruct you. I will teach you in what? The way you ought to go. The way you should go. I'm going to guide you in the way you should take. Jesus said there's two roads in life, only two. There's the, the broad road that leads to destruction, and it's wide. There's the narrow road that leads to life, and it's constricted. And the Bible says that Jesus said, you're on one of those two roads. You're not on one of 30. You're on one of those two. Now, God, once we're saved, is going to guide us where we stay on that narrow road. He wants us on that narrow road that leads to life. What road are you on today? If, if Jesus was to come and walk right in here and walk right up to all of us individually and, and tell us what road we're on, what do you think he would say? The, the broad road, the wide road that the world offers full of temptation, selfish living, snares, traps, pitfalls, glitter, glamour, glistening, fun times, party time. Would he say you're on that road? Or you're on the road that leads to life. Are you on the road that leads to life? Or are you on the broad road that leads to destruction? God says, I'll instruct you and I will teach you. And if you're mine, I will keep you on that narrow road. I will guide you. Very few in scripture uh, learn to lean on the guidance of God more than King David. Because before he was king, he was a fugitive running from an insane king named Saul. And Saul was stalking him day and night. Saul was chasing him, tracking him down. He had his whole, the whole Israeli army out to kill David. And so David learned very much so to learn uh, and to lean on the guidance of God. Because the guidance of God saved his life. God would say, he's coming this way, I want you to go that way. Or he's going to come from this direction, so I want you to run that direction. David slept with one eye open. He slept in caves and in open fields. And we know the reason he made it the entire 10 years before Saul was finally killed in battle was the guidance of God kept him alive. The guidance of God will save your life. The guidance of God will save your life. 
God sees what's coming your way before you do. And he will guide you and direct you and order your steps to deliver you from the traps and snares and pitfalls of Satan before you get there. The guidance of God will save your life, save you, spare you many tears, spare you many regrets. So we find David in the Psalms repeatedly thanking God, praising God for his guidance. Psalms 37, 23, for example, the steps of good men are directed by the Lord. He delights in each step they take. Psalms 46, or 48, 14, for this great God is our God forever. And he will be our guide all the way till the day we die. God says, I'm going to guide you. If you're my child, I'm going to guide you. Even when you don't know you're being guided, I'm going to guide you. That wasn't somebody you just met last week. That was a divine encounter. All the time we think things just happen. When you're a child of God, nothing just happens. Because God is guiding your steps. Leading you in the way. But this great God is our guide. Until we die. Psalm 73, 24, you will keep on guiding me all my life with your wisdom and your counsel. And afterwards, receive me into the glories of heaven. How does God guide? By his wisdom, by his word. Every time you open up that Bible, he's guiding you. He's instructing you. That Bible will save your life. That Bible will spare you so many regrets and so many sleepless nights because he guides us. He guides us by his wisdom, by his counsel. He teaches, he instructs, he leads, he directs. He's the greatest counselor on earth and he's free. Amen. One of my favorite verses on guidance is from the prophet Isaiah. I love this. Whether you turn to the right or you turn to the left, your ears are going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. This is it. Walk in it. You're on the right path. Walk in it. Here's the way. you got 30 options in front of you, but that's the way. Walk in that one. Walk in that one. All through Scripture, we see God guiding His people. He led Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees on over a thousand-mile journey to Canaan. And that's when he was 70. Everybody 70 and over say amen, hallelujah. He led Moses and the children of Israel through the Red Sea, then through the great wilderness and into the promised land. The Bible says, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. He never left them without guidance, even when they were rebelling against him. He never left them without guidance. Cloud by day, follow that cloud. When the cloud stopped, they stopped. When the cloud moved, they moved. Same with the fire by night. Amen. In a time of national judgment and famine, God led Elijah to the safety of the brook Kareth, where he provided him daily meals. You talk about home delivery. He had food brought to him by a raven twice a day. Does that mean we ought to eat only twice a day? I've wondered about that. He kept his prophets lean and mean. God repeatedly assured his people that he would be their guide. 
Isaiah 48, 17, I'm the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the paths you should follow. How many times I see somebody on the wrong path and I can, I can see the end of the story. I can tell where they're headed. The handwriting is on the wall and I want to tell them, you're on the wrong road. You're on the wrong path. I can tell you about a good path, a good road. It's narrow, yes. It's constricted, yes. But it leads to life. It's a protecting road. It's a full road. It's a fulfilling road. The the road that leads to life. And my Lord Jesus can place you on that road. And guess what? He is the way. He is that truth and He is that life. So stop going down that road before it's too late. Get off that road. You know you're on it if you're on it. You've already gotten warnings from God. He's already talked to you about it. Get off the road that leads to destruction while you still can before it's too late. With that in mind, there's one thing I've noticed about people in the Bible that walked with God, that loved God, that cared about God and His will. And that's this. Listen very carefully. When they had a decision in front of them, it says they inquired of the Lord. They knew that God was a God that guided and led and directed. And they would inquire of the Lord. That means they would go to God and say, what about this? Do I do this or do I not? Do I go here or do I not? Which direction do I take? There's a fork in the road, God. Which one do I take? Which way do I go? They would inquire of the Lord. And God answered every time. For, For example, when the Amalekites had invaded Ziklag and kidnapped David's wives and children and those of his men, the Bible says David didn't freak out. His men were standing there. He heard them. Let's stone him. We're tired of following this guy. What does it get us to follow him? Here we are. We've lost everything. Our children, our wives, our city. Ziklag was burned with fire. What do we do? Let's stone him. Let's end this and get out of this. David heard that. Darkest hour of his life up to this point. What did he do? It says, he inquired of the Lord. What do I do, God of guidance? What do I do, God of counsel? What do I do, God who teaches me the way that I should go? And listen to what God said. God said, go after the Amalekites that kidnapped your family. Go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And in one moment, night was turned to day. Dark was turned to light. Things turned on a dime. And the dime was a word from God. And it was a a word of guidance. And so David did exactly what the guidance of God told him to. And it happened just as God said. He, He got his family back. He got all of his stuff back. The men got all of their families back. And God saved the day. And within a very short time period, he would be king. Thank God for the guidance of God. So, So listen, for a true child of God, it's normative to experience the guidance of God. God expects us to walk under his guidance. He wants to lead your life and mine. He'll do better with it. He'll do more with it. He'll be more creative with it. He'll take you places you would never have gone if you'd have done it on your own. He will carry you into heights. He will carry you into depths. 
He will carry you into levels you would never have taken your own life. Uh, look at the disciples. They were fishermen until they heard the word, follow me. And he allowed, they allowed Jesus to guide them, to guide their whole life. And now they went down in history as God's apostles. They wrote a big chunk of the word of God simply by following his guidance. So, well, Pastor Jeff, if that's true, then how do I know the guidance of God? How do I follow the guidance of God? How do I know he's guiding me? Because I really do need his direction. It's found in these two verses, and I'm going to read them. You know them. They're very familiar. But in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to unpack these two verses. I want you to listen very carefully because these are verses about guidance. Look what it says in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own brilliance. I'm sorry, insider understanding. You're never so smart, you don't need God. I see smart people all the time do stupid things. Smart people, sometimes more than others, need the guidance of God. Now watch this. So don't lean on your own insider understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will he do? Read it with me, everybody. He will direct. He'll direct. This is guidance. He'll direct your paths. And I like this, making them straight and smooth and removing obstacles that block your way. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, I I was going to deal with this in one day, but I can't. can't do it justice. So today I'm going to talk about the trust factor. Because it begins with trust. Notice with me that the guidance of God begins with, if you want to posture yourself for being guided by God, it starts this way, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now I want you to notice, he didn't say trust the Lord. He said trust in the Lord. That's a little adverb in there that makes a big difference. Because trusting in is talking about his character, his person, who he is, what he is. So not just trust the Lord, but trust in, trust in. What do you know about him? What do you know about God? Tell me what you believe about God, and I'll tell you some very important things about your future. Because it matters almost more than anything else what we believe about God. So he says, when he says trust in the Lord, he's pointing to his character, his personhood, who he is. Trust in the Lord. Trust that he's loyal, his loyalty, his faithfulness, his justice, his flawlessness, his loving character. I want you to trust in him. I don't want you just to say, well, yeah, I trust the Lord, but what what about him do you trust? Trust in him. Well, I trust in the Lord. I trust that he's my healer. He's my provider. He's my keeper. He's my guide. He's my savior. He's my light. He's my salvation. I I trust in the Lord. I trust in Him. I believe in Him. I don't just believe Him. The promise is only as good as the promiser that made the promise. So how am I ever going to believe the promises if I don't believe in the promiser? I've got to believe in the one who made the promise or I'm not going to trust the promise. I trust the promises because I trust the promiser. 
Why do I trust the promiser? Because he can be trusted. I trust in him. In him. I trust in the person, in the character of Almighty God, the God of all creation. I trust in him. Do you trust in him? Do you trust in him? In him. See, if you don't trust in him, you will never trust him with much of anything. All relationship is swings on the hinge of trust. Walking with God begins with trust. If you don't trust in him, you will never trust him with that thing you so fear letting go of. That's why I called this today, can you trust him with that? Or you can trust him with that. See, if you trust in him or you don't, it's going to decide a whole lot about your walk with God starting today. If you trust in him, then you can trust him with that major decision. If you trust in him, then you can trust him with that pathway before you or that step of faith you're praying about taking. If you trust in him, you can trust taking that step. Whatever that is that you're hesitant to trust him with, whatever that is can hinder your walk with God. We've all got something we have a hard time trusting God with. With me, when I first got saved, uh, just real quick, don't want to focus on me, but i got to tell you a little bit of testimony. When I first got saved and, and, and started walking with him and got real plugged into a local church, he began to call me to preach. But there was a problem. My problem was I was terrified to get up in front of people. God's got a sense of humor. Right? I was terrified. I had stage fright. All caps. So I fought it. You know why? Because I couldn't trust God with that. Getting up in front of people and thinking they would get anything out of it. So I held back. And the burning to preach got worse. And I held back. And it got worse. And I held back until God finally said, if you don't trust me to get up in front of people, I cannot do with you what I want to do with you. So I finally stepped up in front of a little group and several people got saved and I was the most shocked of everybody there because I couldn't believe that anybody got anything out of what I said. I had to get over that. I had to trust him with that. That can be a person. That can be a place. That can be a thing. That can be a love or an affection. But there is a that you don't want to let go of. You're afraid to let go of. And you know why? It's a trust issue. That's why he says, trust in the Lord with 90% of your heart. Right? Trust in the Lord with most of your heart. No. What did he say? With all your heart. I found that anything I ever let go of that was a that standing in my way, he gave me something way better than that. I got a better that than the that that I let go of. So, so listen, if I'm, whatever I'm hesitant to trust him with, I'll never trust to him unless I first trust in him. You will never trust something to him unless you first trust in him. Trust in the Lord. He can be trusted. I think part of the problem is trust is a 
something on the endangered species in our culture right now, trust, trust. Used to be you could shake a hand in a business deal. Oh, I shook his hand. It's a good deal. It's, it's good. He's good for his word. But now we got a fleet of lawyers and a stack of contracts that you sign for an hour before you cut a business deal so that they can be sure you're going to do what you said. We say, I do at the altar, and it often becomes, I don't. Our politicians make, oh, can I talk about our politicians a minute? Our politicians, they make empty promises all the time just to get elected, and they never follow through, and they knew they never would. And so no wonder the trust in, in Washington is at an all-time low. Because I want to know I can trust you. I want to know that I can trust you, and you want to know that you can trust me. I love people you can trust. But there are so many betrayals these days, you don't know who to trust. But I'll tell you one that you can trust, capital O. There's one you can trust, capital O. His name is God Almighty. His son is Jesus Christ, and he can be trusted. He can be trusted. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the person of God. He's not going to fail you. Let me ask you, do you trust in the power of God to deliver you? Do you trust in the hand of God to provide for you? Do you you trust in the heart of God to care about you? Do you? Do you trust in the counsel of God to advise you? Do you you trust in the eye of God to guide you? Do, Do you trust in the wisdom of God to instruct you? Do you trust in the promises of God to come through for you? Because all of those things I just named are connected to the trustworthy character of God who flung the stars into space and created everything we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell in the spirit world that we can't see. He made all of it. And He's a trustworthy God. Do you know that it's easier to have faith than to trust? It's easier to have faith than it is to trust. Imagine with me for a minute a tightrope stretched across a quarter of a mile across the raging river called Niagara Falls. You've got a tightrope stretched across from the United States to Canada. Imagine the thundering sound of the pounding water drowning out all the other sounds as one man steps onto the rope and walks across with no net underneath. If you've ever seen the Niagara, one thing you don't want to do is fall into the Niagara. Because it's bye-bye, get right with God quick. It's over. But this daredevil feat was performed by Charles Blondin in the summer of 1859. He walked 160 feet above the falls several times back and forth between Canada and the U.S. as huge crowds on both sides looked on in shock and awe. Look at this guy walking across this rope. Wow. Then he made it even better. He crossed over in a sack. He crossed over once on stilts. Another time on a bicycle. And once he even carried a stove and cooked an omelet on it. On July 15th, Blondin walked backward across the tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow this way. 
After pushing a wheelbarrow across, he asked for some audience participation. The crowds had watched and said, oh, ah, isn't he amazing? And he had proven that he could do it. There was no doubt that he could do it. He'd done it over and over and over in so many different ways. But now he was asking for a volunteer to get into the wheelbarrow and take a ride across the falls with him. He asked his audience, do you believe that I can carry this thing across the rope? And you in it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They shouted, yes, we believe. Then he said, well, who will get into the wheelbarrow? I'm waiting. I know you're shocked when I tell you no one did. Here's the catch. It was one thing to believe he could get you there. It was another to believe he would get you there. Now, listen. The first was faith. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Oh, I know. Yeah, I believe. The second was trust. Do I trust you to get me there? Life's that way. Life's that way. All, we say to the Lord, oh, I believe you can do this and that and the other. But then there comes a day when Jesus says, get in the wheelbarrow. Come on, Peter, get out of the boat and walk on the water yourself. Stretch out your hand that's withered and crippled, and let me, let me touch it. Get, get into the wheelbarrow. Trust me. You say I can do it. Get in the wheelbarrow. Trust me. Trust in the Lord with all your... What it comes down to is, are you and I willing to get in the wheelbarrow with that? Whatever that is. That we have a hard time surrendering to God and trust. We're called to not just believe that God can but that God will. And so this simple message today on trust, I'm sharing it with you to start this series because all guidance starts with trust. Because if I don't know that he can be trusted, why would I let him guide me five feet? I only follow him because I trust him implicitly. He knows what he's doing. I don't. Used to be a show on TV called Father Knows Best. Before Hollywood ruined the image of dads. Now they're all bumbling idiots. But there was a day when father knew best. And to trust him is to believe he knows best. Even when I can't see. Rich young ruler approached him one day. Said, Jesus, what do I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he named a few. Rich young ruler said, oh, I've done all that from my youth up. And Jesus said, really? Well, why don't you go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and follow me? And the Bible says his, he hung his head, walked away in sorrow. You know why? Because Jesus had touched on that. He couldn't give up the riches. So he had not kept all the commandments because one of them says, thou shalt not covet. And he was hooked on his money. And that kept him from a life that Christ could have given him. Let me ask you a question as we close today. What do you struggle trusting God with? The Bible says the first step in being guided by God is to trust in him with everything. So, so what is it you have a hard time 
saying, okay, all right, I'm letting go. I can trust you. I trust you. A person, a place, a thing, a lifestyle. I'm going to ask you another question. Post-salvation, now that you've been saved, has he ever forsaken you? Has he ever let you down? Has he ever broken a promise? Can you look back and say, at any time, God broke his promise to me. Has he ever abandoned you? Looking back over your whole post-salvation life, has he ever wronged you? Did he ever do you dirty? Has his character proven true? Uh, How about his mercies? Have they ever failed? How about his love? Has it ever run dry? No, 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 no. Uh, And I know that all of you are saying no. Then you can trust him with that. That. Can we stand together today? That problem, that person, that battle, that decision... You can trust Him. Because how many of you want to be guided by God? Amen. How many of you have ever seen a that get in your way? Oh, yeah. And we're going to have a prayer today. And we're going to give the Lord everything. And we're just going to say, Lord, I trust in you. I don't just trust you. I trust in you, who you are. That you can be depended on, leaned on, relied on, counted on without fear of disappointment. So can we lift our hands to the Lord Jesus today and say with me, Lord, today, I want to trust you with all my heart. Forgive me for holding back or being hesitant to take that step or yield that thing. Forgive me that I didn't trust you with that. Now help me. Because I want you to order my steps. I want to know your will. I need your counsel. He's here right now. I sense God on this house. Some of you from your heart need to say, Lord, I let go. I trust you. In Jesus' name. Be still for a minute. Holy Spirit, move in this house. How we need your touch. Somebody needs Jesus today. Some of you are battling in your heart. Do I trust him? Do I hold on to my life? Jesus said, if you hold on to your life, you'll lose it. If you lose it for my sake, you'll find it. There is a holy hush over this place today. Thank you, Lord. 
He's dealing with us. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome. Jesus. Listen to me, dear friend. Keep your heads bowed because he's really present here with us. But dear friend, if you're unsure about your salvation, you've heard me talk about this today, and you thought, well, I don't know if I've ever been guided by God. I don't know if I know this kind of life. You can, because the minute you're his child, he proceeds to guide your life. So I invite you to pray a simple prayer with me and give your heart to Jesus. We had four or five people come to him in the first service. And maybe you need to today. Maybe just one person. I don't know. But I'm going to pray this prayer and you can pray it with me. And how far is God from you? He is one prayer away. So pray this with me. If, if there's a question in your mind, do I know the Lord? Have I ever known the Lord? Do I need to? If those are in your mind, those questions, then do it. I invite you to pray with me. And say right now, Lord Jesus, go ahead and do it. You can do it. You may have never prayed in your whole life. Pray this, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me on the cross. And on the third day, you rose from the dead. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I put my faith in you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Come into my heart. I receive you today. Guide me from this moment forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Now with our heads bowed, very important, if you prayed that with me, would you slip your hand up? I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Just slip your hand up if you prayed that with me. Amen. All over this place. Put them high. Put them high. We're not ashamed. Wow. All over this sanctuary. I want those of you who have your hands raised, look at me. In like two minutes, I'm going to dismiss this service. And I want to invite you to come down. As soon as I dismiss, everybody's going that way, you're coming this way. Because there's something I want to give you to take home with you. I want to pray with you again. It's very important you tell somebody you prayed, come and tell me. I want to meet you. I can't wait. Do we have a deal? Will you do it? Okay. All over this place, I'm going to wait for you. Amen. Folks, there was probably 10 to 12 people at least. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Amen. 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 Well, it's so good to see all of you. All of you beautiful parents with your beautiful children. And all of you that came with them visiting, give the visitors a hand one more time. And if you don't have a church home, visitors, we'd love to have you come. Come visit us again. Uh, come three times, you'll get hooked. You'll be hooked after the third time. It's a good addiction, all right? All right. So good to see all of you. Wednesday nights, I'm doing a little series called Things You Thought You Knew. And I'm going over things you thought you knew. How's that for simple? This Wednesday, 
I'm going to be talking about the book of Enoch. And I'm going to throw in for good measure the Apocrypha. And we're going to talk about that book of Enoch because it's a big deal out there. It's all over social media. Is it the word of God? Is it not? Did Enoch write it? Did he not? I'm going to tell you. And it might be an illumination on what you thought you knew. All right? So Wednesday night, we look forward to having you. And uh, I can't think of anything else. Let me pray for you. And all of you that prayed with me, don't forget to come down as soon as we dismiss. Father, may your face shine upon the people. Let's just pray, church, say with me, Lord, guide me as I go out into the mission field. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. See you Wednesday night.